But if you turn in the Bible to uh, Romans chapter 12, Paul's letter to the Romans, and as you're looking for that, we're going to be uh, turning, we're going to be starting at verse 17, but just as a bit of a reminder, uh, at uh, 12 verse 1 there, where the Apostle Paul now is, is providing an implication of what the gospel is about, and he talks about us being living sacrifices, and Verse 2, do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you can, you're able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, his good and pleasing perfect will. So the Apostle Paul is saying that by nature our, our minds um, are, are distorted, our, our minds, uh, we don't think properly about the world and so forth. And so he is saying in this passage now, as living sacrifices, we need to uh, change our thinking. And one of the things that he wants us to change our thinking about begins at verse 17. And here we have these words. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everybody. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my friends, but leave room for God's wrath, for it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. And on the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. And if he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. So far, the reading of God's holy word. Ray uh, mentioned... Uh, introducing the offering about what's going on in Kenya and that mall massacre. And of course, we hear about terrorism just about every day and are concerned about it hitting our shores again. And it uh, seems like everywhere, and even in this country, there are mass shootings. And we think about um, those kinds of things. But have you thought about the fact that how much uh, revenge and payback are behind those kinds of things. Mass shootings, uh, terrorism, uh, even, even violence in the city and so forth. Uh, so much of that, if not entirely, has to do with people wanting to get even, right? Payback, uh, retaliation, retribution to take revenge. But I wonder, have you ever had that feeling, uh, that sense of wanting to pay back someone who wronged you. And maybe you did dish out a little payback. Uh, did it make you feel better? Um, have you ever punished your children in anger um, to make them pay, to teach them a lesson or so for what they did? Sometimes payback can enter into discipline, can it not? And when you think about prisoners deep down, um, is it possible that you think, yeah, they, they, need to, they need to pay. We need to exact some revenge, some revenge for society. We gotta even the scales of justice. We gotta let them have theirs. And have you ever had the feeling that is strong in our culture that even after they've completed their sentence, they should continue to pay 
in little ways. We'll kind of make their life difficult as returning citizens. So you see, we live in a society of payback. We live in a society that, uh, of revenge. Just take a look at the movies. Um, for 40 years now, something like that, there have been blockbuster after blockbuster of revenge movies, you know, where a person's family is harmed or something like that, and of course, that gives them license to get out there and get those bad guys and make them pay, pay for what they, they have done. I haven't seen it yet, but there's a movie, I think, called Prisoners that's coming out or did come out, and according to the reviews, it's really examining this whole matter of payback and uh, what this is doing. And of course, with uh, criminals, uh, people think in terms of payback. Our criminal justice system is primarily about retaliation, not rehabilitation and payback. And of course, uh, we have that personal experience. Well, many people, when they think about payback, they point to the Old Testament. And they say, well, the Old Testament is filled with payback. And there are various texts. If you have your Bible, I'd just like to invite you to, to look at a few texts just so you know that. Probably the most common one is uh, Genesis uh, 9, verse 6. We'll just do a little bit of payback Bible study here, okay? Genesis uh, 9, 6. Um, and it says there in verse 6 of chapter 9, Whoever sheds the blood of man by man shall his blood be shed. For in the image of God, God made man. And so that is a text that's frequently uh, cited for the death penalty. Uh, he who sheds the blood of a man by man, his blood shall be shed. That's, that's payback theology, right? Um, next one, Deuteronomy, uh, let's go, no, Exodus 21. Exodus 21, and let's look at verse uh, 23 and following. Exodus 21, beginning at 23. But if there is serious injury, verse 23, you are to take life for life, eye for eye, tooth for tooth, hand for hand, foot for foot, burn for burn, wound for wound, bruise for bruise. Now you can't get much clearer payback uh, than that, can you? And in fact, um, perhaps you've noticed in the news and so forth that frequently the terrorists out there will quote a text like this. They'll say, eye for eye, tooth for tooth. That's why we're doing it. It's payback. And, and then one more is Deuteronomy 19, 21. Deuteronomy 19, verse uh, 21. Show no pity, verse 21. Life for life, eye for eye, tooth for tooth, hand for hand, foot for foot. So no one can deny that the uh, Bible is uh, filled with payback, the Old Testament. Now, the... The, the, the technical term that we use to describe that payback in the Old Testament is called the reciprocity code. The reciprocity code. Now, where did that come from? Well, the reciprocity code is something that was built into the structure of creation by God 
as a moral reflex to keep the moral order in balance. Now, that's a mouthful. But the reciprocity code is built into the structures of creation as a moral reflex to keep the moral order in balance. It's quite interesting, too, that because it's in the structures of creation that it's recognized by, I believe, all religions have this kind of payback dimension to it. Uh, what goes around comes around and so forth. And you'll see that in all the religions, eye for eye, tooth for tooth, and so forth. But here's the problem that comes to the fore as the Old Testament develops. And the problem is that due to sin, we cannot pay God back, and we cannot ever really get payback. Isn't that the clear teaching of Scripture? There are all these laws and there are all these things. Now life would be good if we do it this way or that way, but we don't. We can't. Because mankind has messed it up beyond repair. We have fallen into sin, and we could try to pay back God, but we know we can never do it. And also, because men and women are made in the image of God, we cannot get payback or pay back them. You see, God's holiness has been violated by sin. We cannot pay it back. But the same thing, his holiness in his image in people has been violated. And so we cannot really pay back or get that payback. That's why victims who... Um, who, who want payback, they, they don't feel right about it. I've seen situations where, for example, um, the f victims of, a, uh, of a, someone who killed someone in their family, they wanted to see the death penalty. And so, like in Louisiana, Angola or something like that, where they have people on death row or in Texas, um, they will actually be witnessing that death as the lethal injection takes place, and then they're surprised or amazed that they don't feel better after the person's been put to death. You see, revenge leaves a bitter taste in, in the mouth. Remember that. So the Old Testament is very clear that reciprocity code is there, but we keep digging ourselves in deeper. But then something happens in the New Testament. In the New Testament, my goodness, all of that payback talk disappears. Do you know all that payback, revenge, retaliation, retribution, all of that eye-for-eye eye stuff is gone? We don't find it in the New Testament. What in the world has happened? I mean, it's just not there. In fact, you know, sometimes what, what scholars will say, and you know, Greg will tell you about this too, we continue on with stuff from the Old Testament into New Testament times if it's not mentioned, but, there's, but, but there, it's not repudiated. And so that's why we, we baptized this morning, because um, in the Old Testament, children were included in the covenant. And we say, in the New Testament, we don't believe that God is any less generous with his grace, and so we include them. So we, we continue on. And, you know, unless the New Testament would say, no, we don't want the kids involved in the covenant anymore, but it obviously does not say that. But then, what about this matter of payback? 
Maybe we could say, well, it's in the Old Testament and it kind of keeps flowing through to the New Testament. But the fact is, the New Testament actually rejects it and repudiates it. A little more Bible study, okay? Go with me to Matthew 5, 538. This is in the Sermon on the Mount. In Matthew 5, 38 to 42, while Jesus head-on addresses the eye-for-eye language of the Old Testament, and then he not only says this is no longer valid, he repudiates it. Verse 38, chapter 5, You have heard that it was said, eye-for-eye and tooth-for-tooth. But I tell you, do not resist an evil person. If someone strikes you on the right cheek, Turn to him the other also. And if someone wants to sue you and take your tunic, let him have your cloak as well. If someone forces you to go one mile, go with him two miles. Give to the one who asks you and do not turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. And then also this love for enemies. You've heard it said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. Old Testament, now repudiating it. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those that persecute you. Now, let me give you an idea of what's going on here. First of all, when Jesus says, um, you know, if they ask for your coat, give them your shirt too, he's speaking in typical rabbinic character, which would use hyperbole, exaggeration, for the sake of emphasis. So he's not really saying, if he steals your coat, give him your shirt too. It's a little bit like this. If, if, you're, if, if, if someone steals your bicycle, give him your car too. Okay, or if someone steals your wallet, uh, give them give them your bank account numbers too. Now he doesn't mean that literally, but what is the point that Jesus is making as a rabbi using this hyperbolic language? And the point is this: not only is he repudiating the payback mentality, he's replacing it. He says instead of payback, I want you to exercise to others, unmerited favor. Unmerited favor. I want you to exercise grace, not payback. So here's this huge change. Instead of payback, grace. Grace. Now, how in the world can that happen? I mean, boy, Is the Old Testament contradicting the New Testament now? And what do we have going here? But of course, here's why this has happened. This drastic change has happened. And you think, well, what happened to the payback? What about the reciprocity code? And the answer is the cross. The answer is Jesus paid it all. Jesus paid it all. In 1 John 2, I'll just read it for you, but you can look it up later. 1 John 2, verse 2, it says there, Jesus is the atoning sacrifice, payback, for our sins. And not only for ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. Okay, that's a mouthful. First of all, he is the atoning sacrifice for sins. Atonement is payback. Substitutionary atonement is payback. He paid back for our sins. 
But then John goes on to say, not only for our sins, but for the sins of the whole world. Now, there have been some theologians who erroneously use that to promote universalism, that everybody's going to go to heaven. No, no, no. That's, that's not what it's saying there, because you've got to take in what all of the Bible says. It doesn't mean everyone's going to heaven. Who ends up in heaven or hell is God's business. Jesus dies to restore the moral order. His death restores that moral order that we human beings for thousands of years have ruined. And then we are, we don't judge whether people are going to heaven or hell, but we are to treat everyone as if they are part of that new order. Okay? 2 Corinthians 5, from now on, we consider no one from a worldly point of view. We are to treat everyone as if they are covered by the blood, as if they are forgiven. No more payback because their sins are forgiven for, as far as we're concerned. Jesus' atonement reckoned and, and, and put, put right that moral order. No more revenge. Jesus paid it all even before we were born. That doesn't mean there's no more punishment. No, I'm going to get to that in a minute. There's, there's still punishment. But no more revenge. No more revenge. You see, friends, that's why we look into the Middle East and we just see this ongoing battle between Muslims and Jews and it's tit for tat and eye for eye and burn for burn and foot for foot and, and it never ends. Have you ever thought about why it's not going to end? It's because the Muslims and the Jews only have the Old Testament. They only have the payback playbook. And so it'll be eye for eye, tooth for tooth, until they recognize the cross where the reciprocity code is settled and there can be true forgiveness because Jesus paid it all. I think Greg a few weeks ago told you about the fact that um, in Christ alone uh, was taken from the new Presbyterian Church USA. Did you tell about that? Yeah. Um, very interesting um, because what did they not like about that whole song? The thing is just all theology, that kind of stuff. But did it like that line, the wrath of God was satisfied? That, that's the one that bugged them. And the fact is, while there are many good you know, evangelical Christians in the mainline churches like that, but as a whole, they're theologians and scholars as shown with that decision about taking that song out. I mean, they, went, they came to the Gettys, right? And they said, we want to do in place that replace the wrath of God is satisfied with in, God, in Christ, God's love is magnified. And they said, no, 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 no. Because the Gettys said, remember they were up here? What a, what a great, you got to get those guys back. You know? I mean, they, uh, they said, no, that's the very heart of the gospel. That's right. The substitutionary atonement is the very heart of the gospel. And mainliners, you see, don't like the substitutionary atonement. They say it's blood theology. It's kind of icky. And uh, they, don't like the, they don't like the blood atonement. So you go to a mainliner church, and you'll hear about the cross, but you'll hear about Jesus as a martyr, about Jesus as a good example. But you're not going to hear about the blood atonement. Now, I agree with the mainliners that they also agree that we should not be revengeful that we should not be retaliating. 
we should not, um, you know, we should not have payback. They actually agree with that. But the problem is they don't get to it in a, a legitimate way. You can't just skip around the cross because God's holiness then is, is being violated. And God can't deny himself. He's not going to deny himself because he's a holy and just God. So you can't get to no more payback by, by going around the cross. It has to go through the cross. But now I have to also say something to our evangelical brothers and sisters who are all about the cross, and they sing about the cross, and they love the cross, and, and, and so do I. But you want to know, I have evangelical friends who say, yeah, we get all that about the cross and so forth, but we think there still should be a little bit of payback today. And maybe you have that feeling too. Well, we got to have a little bit of payback. A little bit of get even. People got to be put in their place. We got to have some payback. But what I'm saying to you today, look in scripture. Those evangelicals who want still a little bit of payback, they don't realize the power of the blood of Jesus. They don't understand that Jesus paid it all. Not only our personal sins and shortcomings, but he reset that moral order so that we could live before the face of God as God intends us to live. Okay, let's, um, let, let's just get a little, a little bit of a takeaway here. Does that mean that there's no more punishment of criminals or our kids and so forth? You say, oh no, it doesn't mean there's no more punishment. There needs to be punishment. But now here's the difference, and if, if you don't get anything else from what I say today, please walk away with this. Punishment needs to be restorative, not retributive. Punishment needs to be reformatory and rehabilitative, not payback, not vengeance. Now, what's the difference? The fact is, punishment that is retaliatory, retributive, vengeful, that's past-oriented, right? It's payback for what someone did in the past. But we just figured it out that, that Jesus took care of all that. So punishment needs to be forward-looking, restorative, reformative, correctional, rehabilitative. Isn't it interesting that by Christian and I think even Calvinistic influence in our society, that our prisons, and Tom may be up in this, but our prisons, we call them correctional facilities and reformatories. How come they don't correct and how come they don't reform? <laughs> It's because they're payback institutions primarily, see? And so that's, we must have punishment, yes, but not past-oriented payback vengefulness. Christ took care of that, but it has to be corrective, reformatory, and rehabilitative. Now, that's true with criminal justice, and uh, maybe we could talk more about that. Uh, I think it's true with parents and children, um, let me give you a little example. Can I keep going just a little while here? Is that all right? So, lunch is until quarter to 12 or something. Whatever you want. Thank you, Dr. Schering. <laughs> um, but this story is about, this story is about Tim. Um, when I had to punish Tim, Tim as his younger brother, I never had to punish Greg. <laughs> you know, he, he, was, he was an angel from the beginning. 
But uh, one time I had to punish Tim. I don't remember what he did, but it was, must have been really terrible. Um, and he was about five or six years old. We were living in California. And um, so I came to him and I said, I'm going to give you a choice. I said, you can either have a licking or you can write lines. And I thought, well, of course he's going to write lines, right? He said, I'll take the licking. I said, oh, wrong choice. You're writing lines. See, back, back then, you, you didn't do lickings much anymore because I was kind of getting out of, out of favor, but you could still use it as a credible threat. Um, but uh, he, he didn't buy that. And so I had him write the lines, and lines went, you know, I will such and such, such and such. And then he did two or three pages of that. I don't know how many he had to do. And then the very last line he wrote, um, but I am not guilty as charged. <laughs> that's Tim, right? I mean, that, that, that's totally Tim. He'll never hear this tape, right? Um, now, as I think about it, as a parent, you know, almost 30 years ago, I had not analyzed it, of course, back then, but now I'm thinking, a licking is payback, isn't it? It's payback. It's past-oriented, you did such and such, but writing lines is restorative. I will such and such for the future. Both are punishment, but one's payback, and one is restorative. And I think, boy, isn't that how we should be thinking with our kids? How can we have restorative discipline, correctional discipline, not payback kind of discipline? And then also I want to talk about our relationship with others. I won't get into it real thick, but I'm sure you've been thinking about it. Not payback. It won't make you feel better. Seek to reconcile. What did, what did, what did it say in, in our text in Romans 12 here? As far as it is possible, as for far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Ah, that's the new age. Do not take revenge, my friends. Leave room for God's wrath. If there's any hell to pay, that's God's business now. But we don't take revenge. We love, we maybe have to figure out boundaries and how to restore this in a good way, but not payback, not payback. No more payback. And then also I want to close with this, and that there's no payback with respect to you and God either. Have you ever had it where something went wrong in your life and you ask yourself the question, maybe this never happened with you, but have you ever asked yourself the question, is God giving me some payback here? Is God giving me some payback? Yesterday, Greg's family and Mary and I were able to tag along. They took family pictures. And you want to know where they took those family pictures? It was Sarah's idea. They went down, we went downtown Elmhurst to the curb where Greg, two years ago, had his seizure. And his head was banging on the cement. And Sarah thought he was gone. They went to that spot and took pictures of the family. Now, as a dad, when your child goes through something like that, sometimes your mind will drift off and say, oh, man, maybe I didn't pray enough. You know, or you think you did something. Let me tell you something, folks. If your mind ever goes there, if you ever think for a moment 
that God's in the payback business, I want you to think about this right here. He didn't cover part of your sins. He didn't cover most of your sins. Jesus paid it all. He paid it all. Now there's great mystery and wise things happen. Why did Jacob die? Why did Greg have that seizure? Great mystery. I do see some wonderful things that God has done, but um, there's mystery. But there's one thing that's not a mystery. He does not punish you. Jesus paid it all. He loves you. He loves you. Jesus paid it.